Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Now, for those of you who regularly listen to the show, you know it is very important to us to raise the bar of the common level of horsemanship. In doing so, we like to educate and expose our listeners to some of the greatest horsemen in the world and amazing educational opportunities. Now, Jonathan Field was featured in episode 17 of the 2018 season. Jonathan has two amazing clinics coming up in March in California. The first clinic, Course 1, will be March 9th through 11th, followed by Course 3, March 16th through the 18th. Now, Jonathan limits his clinics to only a handful of riders, so there's a great chance these courses will fill up quick. If you cannot get into the clinic, however, Jonathan offers a more than reasonable price of $25 a day for spectators and is doing a deal of $60 if you pay for all three days. Now, both clinics will be hosted at Marsh Creek Stables, located in Brentwood, California, at 24670 Marsh Creek Road. I can speak from firsthand experience in telling you that this is an incredible facility. There's both indoor and outdoor riding arenas that will be included in the clinic. Feel free to bring a chair, pad, or blanket for comfort while watching the clinic. Additionally, there will be coffee and food on site available for purchase. Now, Marsh Creek Stables is located only a few minutes from town, which gives you access to additional dining and hotels. All clinic days will start at about 8 a.m. and finish around 5 p.m. Now remember, we're all on horse time, so they will dictate when it's time to turn it in for the night. For additional information on this amazing opportunity, I encourage you to visit jonathanfieldhorsemanship.net or email info at jonathanfield.net. I encourage you all to come out and enjoy this amazing opportunity to learn from Jonathan Field. We look forward to seeing you all there, and we're going to have a great time. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. This week our guest is Tammy Olovic. She is the CEO of Saddles in Service. Now, they are an equine immersion program located in the greater San Diego area that focuses on serving our country's law enforcement, military, and fire personnel. Now, in previous episodes, we've talked to numerous service members who have been combat deployed or worked in law enforcement. We've gotten their perspective and their life stories of how their careers shaped up and the challenges that they faced in such journeys. But this week in talking with Tammy, we get the great perspective of the family member. Now, Tammy's husband served his entire career in the United States Navy, and upon retirement has jumped in with both feet into a lifelong dream of being a cowboy. Now, in this episode, we run the table. We talk about some very, very real and heavy topics, the ups, the downs, the successes, the failures, and even share quite a few laughs. It's no secret why Saddles and Service is such a successful program. The Olivic family is extremely tight, they are strong, and they are driven. Now, I know as I was describing a life of service in the military or law enforcement or fire services, someone near and dear to you has crossed your mind. And if you find the content of this episode valuable, I want you to reach out to them right now. Pull the car over, put your stall rake down, turn the radio down for a second, hit pause, we'll be there when you get back. Send them a text, introduce them to the show, send them a link to this episode. Please help raise the level of awareness and exposure to all law enforcement and military or fire personnel who could benefit from the content of this episode. You know, we never know when we're going to strike a chord, when we're going to pass on that one small bit of information that makes a difference in somebody's life. Instead of cutting that check for a donation to some major corporation who claims to help veterans, take a second and make the difference right now. And for those of you who are new listeners to the show, you can find us on nearly every major podcast platform, 
Additionally, we're on Facebook and Instagram under that Freedom Reign podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is the CEO of Saddles and Service, Tammy Olivek. Well, good morning, Tammy. How are you? Good. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you very much for making time for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I know everybody's got a terribly busy schedule, and it sounds like you've been up up against quite a bit of weather down there in the San Diego area. So thanks for sitting down for a few and taking care of us. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's my pleasure. So tell us about that weather. I know we've been getting a lot of rain up in Northern California, but I don't think it's been quite as bad as you guys down there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we've been having the rain. We've had both of our ponds are overflowing, which it's a good thing, I guess, right? We do need the rain. But um, when you have horses and mud and muck and water, oh, it's a mess. Yeah, as I say, it makes for a disaster. That's for darn sure. Nobody loves a muddy horse. (laughs) The horses love it, though. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, they're probably running through all the flood and rolling in the mud. They love rolling. Yep. Yes, they do. So what else is new for you guys down there? Um, well, not much is going on except our weather and, and, you know, we're, we're ready for spring though. I tell you, cause we have so many people that come out, um, to work with the horses. And when we have this weather like this, we can't, you know, work with the horses and it just, ah, we need spring. We're yes, ready. Spring needs to get here sooner and later. Yes. Yes. Good, good. good. So you run saddles and service down there in the San Diego area of California. And we'll get into what that program is all about here shortly. But why don't you take some time and introduce yourself to guests and kind of who you are and what you're about. And and we'll work our way to your program and and who you serve. Sure, sure. So I'm Tammy, Tammy Olovic. I'm actually from Southern California, born and raised. I married a sailor. I guess it's been 28, is it 28 years now? Oh, that's, oh, that's incredible. terrible if I don't remember. Um, I was say, we can yes. cut that part out and just, just make it an affirmative <laughs> no, 28 okay. years if that's correct. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's 28 years. Um, I think we're going on 29. Uh-huh. Um, no, we're going on 28. So we, um, yeah, I was married to, I always tell people I was married to the Navy and my husband for 25 years. And then he retired from the Navy. So now I'm just married to him, luckily. You I was know, say, now you get to enjoy married it a little to bit. Both. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um, so we've traveled all around the world, lived all over the world, you know, being in the military. I have two boys. They're not little boys anymore, though. <laughs> I have a 23-year-old um, who is doing amateur boxing. And then I have a 25-year-old who is a um, law enforcement officer out in San Diego County. Perfect. Yeah. So we, you know, we know our family knows what it means to serve. This is for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like it's kind of in the blood, huh? It is. It really is. And that's why I think we do saddles and service too, just that other way to serve. No, I think it's an incredible mission and an incredible purpose, but how how did you get your start with horses? Because being that, that you're a military family, I mean, traveling all around the world, you can't take a horse with you. So so how did you find your way to the horse? You know, when uh, my aunt actually showed horses, and so I was in horse shows uh, when I was four years old. And I was really cute when I was that young, you know, <laughs> on the horseback, all dressed up in the Western dressage. And um But then I also rode horses on my own. I rode dressage in high school, but then um, 
once I was older and once we got married, you know, no more horses. Cause yeah, you can't take them everywhere with you. I guess you could, if you had a lot so of money, cost a little bit of money. But, um, yes, exactly. So we, we would ride horses and we'd go to, we'd go to this dude ranch up in Solvang, Alisol ranch. And we'd ride horses up there, you know, different places. So just, you know, it was casual riding. But then um, as soon as my husband was retiring and we bought this little place in Alpine, I had heard about some horses that were confiscated and were at the animal shelter. I was like, oh, I'm going down to check this out. And I adopted two horses that morning and brought them in the day before his retirement. Oh, and I wow. think my husband was like, what? We have like a, over 100 people coming from all over the world. I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're going to get to see these two awesome horses. <laughs> so oh, no. that Happy was retirement. the start. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's how we started with the first two rescued horses. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Hopefully the party went off without a hitch. and They, they were the uh, main attraction, let me tell you. And they... They loved getting all the attention. So it was good for them being that they were being, they had been rescued. Yeah. Yeah. Probably coming out of some dire circumstances. Yes. Oh, yes. That's incredible. So in, in your 25 years of being a sailor's wife was, were horses always something that you wanted to do, something that you wanted to get back to, or how did you guys go from, yeah, I mean... Being exposed to it in high school, getting away from it for 25 years, and then bam, right back into it. You know, it's, I think when I've, horses have always been my favorite animal. I love horses. There's something about horses, right? Mm-hmm. They're so majestic. No, I've always loved horses. We always wanted horses. And when everyone was asking my husband what he was going to do when he retired, his comment was, I want to be a cowboy. So God bless him. He's now a cowboy. God bless him. <laughs> yeah, I think horses, there's something, there's there's something about cowboys, right? There's and cowgirls and horses and I, you know, it's just I think it was always in our blood. Yeah, and that's them. that's always been my belief. I mean, so many people say, Oh, my hobby is horses, oh I do it for fun and it's like in my opinion, it's either in your blood or it isn't, right? There's not it, really absolutely. just it's yeah. It's too impoverished of a hobby. Right. And you never really make so much money on it to call it a profession, you know, so it's got to be something that right. burns inside of you. And there's got to be that, that internal draw. Oh, yeah. And you have that passion. And I think probably for me too, I'd take in any animal. I just love animals. Right. I mean, honestly, we have four dogs, three cats, 16 chickens and 13 horses. Yeah, yourself so a little, we went from a hobby farm, huh? <laughs> Right. No, I just need some cattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in such a life for service, right, there's always sacrifice that comes along with it. And people always think about sacrifice in the physical regard, right? Your husband's right. deployed or you're moving to a foreign country, you're living on bases, all of those challenges. What I think what a lot of people don't understand or don't really have a full grip on is the emotional or personal sacrifice that is made in careers like that. Right. Are you able to kind of elaborate on, on some of the sacrifices that you experienced with your family in those years of service? Cause I truly believe nobody goes through a career like that without giving a little bit of their soul. Right. 
Right, right. I mean, you know, how many how many deployments, you know, we went through. There were quite a few deployments. Um, I think and the hardest deployments were when we were stationed overseas, because when you're overseas in a foreign country, you know, you have your military family, but you don't have your family or friends that maybe you could have just said, Hey, can I come over and see you? You know, Mike's been gone. But those deployments, you know, they take a toll um, because you're, as a spouse or as a wife, you know, you always have to stay strong because you never want the kids to think you're worried or upset because then that's just going to fall right on their shoulders as well. Um, And not, not seeing Mike for, you know, six, eight months at a time took its toll on us as a family because you can't get that time back, right? You can never get that time back. Yeah. And it took a toll on him as well. And um, so, you know, and, and not just that part of it, but also the part, you know, we've lost friends, you know, people my husband has worked with, they've been killed you know, overseas or there's suicides, you know, there's, there's a lot going on besides just being a military family. Like we see firsthand the casualties of war and the sacrifice that some of these families have made is much greater than our sacrifice. And um, it really puts it into perspective that, wow, we didn't have it that bad. You know, and if that makes and sense. It, it does, and it's all relative. And and you make m- many great points in that that short excerpt. But I want to develop some of them. And I've always openly said this, and, and I believe it to my core that I think the spouse of the service member almost has a harder time with it, and and plays a huge role in the success of that service member, whether it's law enforcement, military, fire, doctor, anything of those sort. Yeah. And and here's my perspective on it, and you can tell me, obviously, because you've lived it. When you are that service member, and we'll take law enforcement or military, for example, right? Mm -hmm. As an officer or, or a military member, you have the training, right? You have the training, you have the intelligence, I truly think they're cut from a different cloth, right? So so mentally and physically, they perform at just different levels than, than quote-unquote normal humans do. Sure. You know your mission, right? You know your intelligence. You know the capabilities of your weapons, your training, your tactics, all of that. So going into a deployment or going into a mission, you, you somewhat know what you're up against and you somewhat have a plan. Yeah. But when you're the spouse, you know none of that. All you know is that, hey, my husband's going out the door or my wife's going out the door. They're going to be gone for X amount of hours or days or months. And yeah, I guess we'll see them when they get back. Right. Can you kind of explain how how you dealt with that in your family? Sure. So fortunately, I'm a super independent person. So for me, for me, it probably was not as hard as, you know, there are, are some spouses that aren't as independent. And so luckily they have the support of all of us other wives. But, you know, for me, I always focused on the kids. And so when Mike was gone, we always made sure that we were, we were active. They were in sports that 
we filled our time, we traveled, we visited family. Because for me, it was about the kids, keeping them as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. It's not, and believe me, it's not easy. Um, it's a lot of prayer. It's a, a really a lot of time spending time with God and praying and um, asking for strength. Because there are days that, man, you just want to sit down and just cry. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, something's going on with the kids or whatever it may be, or you know, something with the house you're renting and the landlord doesn't speak English. That's always a fun one. Oh. Um, when we were stationed. Over so that probably makes for some incredible <laughs> conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, that was fun. Um, and so just, you know, having, having that network of other wives, having the network, um, you know, even with our church and, you know, but seriously, it was I always tried to stay as strong as possible for the kids Yeah, and for Mike, you know, when yeah. we spoke with him too, I didn't want to ever burden him with stuff going on because he needed to keep his mind, you know, on what he was doing, their mission at hand. And, um, and that can be hard and it can be really hard. And all I can say is, you know, God gave us strength through it. Yeah. It's incredible. And some of the, some of the best service members that I've talked with and law enforcement officers that I've talked with explain just that, right? Your wife has to have some sort of network outside of you, right? Whether it is yeah. children or other wives, there has to be that life balance. There has to be oh, something yeah. to ground them. But the one point yes. that they all talk about, and you just brought it up, is that my husband or or my sailor Marine or whatever, when he goes out the door, he has to have his head on straight. So we got to make yeah. sure that He's focused on the mission. He's focused on the goal. He's focused on the task because I can't have him worrying about what's going on at home. If bills are getting paid, exactly. if kids are upset or if kids are struggling at school. And yes, to be honest, sometimes I make the joke. It's almost easier to be out there running, running and gunning, right? Because you right. have your training and your mission, you just deal with it. And there's so much that goes into life as far as raising and running a household that it takes very, very special women to support men who serve and, and special men to support women who serve. It's incredible. Right. No. They, and, you know, I think sometimes they don't prepare some of the spouses well enough. Yeah. I think they need to do a better job, yeah. you know, preparing spouses. Because when you marry a sailor, you marry a cop, you marry a firefighter, you don't really know yeah. what you're getting into. Right. And, and I so, think even even as the service member, you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's this grandiose right. mystique behind all of it, but once you actually get in the trenches, right? Right. And and you experience some of these events that make life very, 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 very real. Uh, right. You start to realize, like, oh, this is it. This is this is the stuff they didn't put on the recruiting flyer. This is the stuff the recruiter didn't exactly. tell me. Right. Exactly. So it's a yeah. learning experience for everybody, and I think everybody has to have a lot more patience and kindness with each other. And oh, yeah. It's the honesty that comes in it and in developing honesty. You know, you talked about your husband losing friends that he was deployed with and served with and and the atrocities of, of suicide in law enforcement and our service members. And, yeah. and here's where I think the profession could could improve. And I think we're making huge strides that there's such a mystique that, that you have to be perfect, right? Inherently right. inherently these soldiers and servicemen are type A personalities and they they strive for perfection on their own, but 
what I try to do with horses and what I try to do with this show is to show people that, you know what, we are all broken or we have been broken at some point. Oh yeah, and, definitely. And to show that emotion is not the old mystique of weakness. To show no. that emotion means that you're a human being. Absolutely. Right? It's being real. Exactly. It's being real. And no yeah. matter how no matter how specialized you are, no matter how disciplined you are, no matter how elite of an organization or a team or a unit you belong to, we all bleed the same way. We all break the same way. You know, Absolutely. and it's not it's not any easier for one than the other. And that's why that's why I enjoy having the spread of guests that I have on this show because I truly feel trauma and tragedy is relative. Right. You know, so right. somebody could somebody could lose their favorite bunny rabbit that they had growing up and they're just absolutely heartbroken by it. You know? Absolutely. And yeah. And they could not deal with it as well as a guy who just watched three of his buddies eat an IED. Right? Right. And to right. each their own. So in your family or or going throughout your husband's career, how did you guys manage those those trying times? I mean, what what provided the value in the life balance for you guys? Gosh, so I'm a talker. I love to I'm a communicator and Mike's not so much. So um, you know, it really was talking through things and trying to understand because I mean, let's face it. I will never understand. Um, I will never have a connection with, you know, like Mike and, and other veterans or law enforcement, because if you've lived it, you know it, right? And I'll never truly understand. I'll only be able to understand what I can understand just by what he tells me. Um, and so, but trying to understand what they're going through, that was huge. I know when he lost a bunch of people. It was back in, gosh, August, 2011. And I remember him coming out and saying, oh my gosh, they're gone. And I said, who's yeah. gone? He goes, they're all gone, Tammy. And I go, I don't know who's who we're talking about. You got to explain this to me. He's like, they're gone. They're all gone. All. And I said, okay, I still don't understand. And he goes, I just had a barbecue with their wives and children before I left the command and they're gone. So that hit me hard. Um, and I remember going, um, our son, oh my gosh, he had just broken his leg playing football and he's six, four. So he's a big boy. Oh no. And, and we were going to Balboa, the Naval hospital, you know, for him, for his cast and, you know, his checkups. And I would see these young wounded warriors, you know, they're mm -hmm. missing legs, missing mm -hmm. arms. And I would just break down. I couldn't even, I could not even look at them because I would just start tearing up. And it really bothered me because I would always go up to, to them and thank them for their service, buy them a cup of coffee, whatever. But after my kid lost all those people and what, what he went through and to see the pain he was going through, it had a direct effect on me and I could no longer even, I couldn't even speak it at an event that had wounded warriors because I would break down in tears. Yeah. And that made me so angry. <laughs> I was so angry that I couldn't control my emotions when I saw them, but I guess that means I have a soft heart, yeah. I hope. But that even though I didn't know any of those guys who had gone down, 
it it had such an effect on us as as a whole family, really, um, just to see how Mike dealt with it, and he didn't deal with it well. I'll just let, I'll just put that out there. He did not deal with it well. Um, he had to deal with it though on his own terms. But here here's the crazy part about it, and I think when you make the yeah. comment, he didn't deal with it well, and. My very first guest, Jeremy Sweetser, made this point. He's a combat deployed veteran, and he says, the United States military is extremely, extremely successful in taking civilians and making them war fighters, yet struggle to yeah. take those war fighters and turn them back into civilians. Absolutely. And, and only you know this, you and your husband, but in all of your husband's training, how much of that went into the preparation of combat and war? the lion's share of his career, right? And then as he, yeah. as, he, as he promotes, right now it becomes commanding those operations. Yeah. How much yeah. training did he receive to deal with, to deal with what happens in war? Yeah. Um, I don't think they ever prepare you for that. Right, right. They don't. It has because, never been brought up. Yeah, because they want to keep your mind on the mission. They don't want to, yeah. I not that I, I don't think he's ever I don't think ever. Right? And here's here's a huge deficit and a pitfall and I don't know the answer to this question, right? Right. But we have to find a better way to to train the total package, right? We train oh, law enforcement and military to just eat in inordinate amounts of stress and pressure and trauma yet yeah. provide very very little value in the realm of, okay, how do we, this has happened, this is experience, you've now internalized this stuff, okay, how do we yeah. metabolize it? How do we get back to even? And that's, that's kind of been my driving force in a lot of the work yeah. that I do with horses, and I know that we share this in common, and it'll come up in your explanation of, of yeah. uh, saddles and service, but, you know, I, I was talking with a friend the other day about it, and... When you're in these service-related industries, you have a certain personality type, generally speaking, and and a lot of times that personality type does not accept failure very well at all. I have been that right. person. I have been that person. Right. But what we need to do is we need to help people understand that A, failure is, is absolutely okay, right? Nothing is permanent. Right. You can recover from all of it. But right. More importantly, all of these characteristics that these individuals take to build all of their success can can be redirected towards their recovery. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's hard to get that shift in mentality because when you're broken and when you're down and when you're out, you just, you don't have that bravado that you used to have, right? You don't have that right. kind of chip on your shoulder. So in my world, right. horses help redirect that right? Horses oh, help absolutely. kind of reintroduce all that stuff. So I think hippotherapy and a lot of this stuff is, is more advantageous. I mean, many of my guests on, on my show are combat deployed and they say the same exact thing. I came back oh, yeah. from war. I couldn't reassimilate. They just filled me full of dope, put me in a hospital and said, you'll be fine. And yeah. none of that ever took place, right? right. Then, then, they get, right. then they get introduced to a horse or some of these, these equine integrated programs. And some big things start to change. Now, I'm not saying the horse is the be-all, end-all and the, the magical answer to this stuff, but there is some true value in it. And it is a great oh, way to absolutely. reach people and get back on track. Absolutely. You know, we were just, um, we just finished filming 
I guess it was last month. I don't even, I can't believe we're already in the middle of February. <laughs> Goodness. Um, it's almost Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> but no kidding. No. Don't bleak. <laughs> <laughs> last month, we just finished filming. There's a Hollywood director who came to us and um, he's doing a, there's a movie he's shot and now he's doing a documentary called Wounded Heroes. And it specifically deals with veterans struggling with PTSD that have been on, you know, multiple uh, drugs at one time and the, um, how there are alternative measures, right? And so he, so we're actually the only equine therapy that he put in his film which, or documentary, which is pretty cool. I was oh, like, yeah, oh, great, awesome. we'll get some awareness, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So he looks at alternative resources for veterans struggling with PTSD. And um, so he interviewed a couple of our veterans. Um, we have a Vietnam veteran here and he explained how he was on 28 drugs at one time. No the VA had him on, And he actually tried to commit suicide because he wasn't, he, he didn't even know who he was, yeah. right? He was on so many drugs. Yeah. Well, he weaned himself off the drugs and horses saved his life. He started, he found this stallion, an Arabian stallion, which we already know Arabians can be crazy anyways. Yeah. I mean, I got a few of them. And, um, <laughs> and he he will tell you, horses saved his life 30 years ago. And that's what's helped him through what he was a Green Beret in Vietnam. Like he was a badass. Yeah, as I say, it doesn't get more. Right. And this guy's a real cowboy. You look at him now. They have a group out here called the Hole in the Wall Gang, and it's a nonprofit. And all these guys dress up in, you know, the period dress, cowboys, Correct. yeah. And they do parades and things. And so, but that's what you know. He was on twenty-eight different drugs, and our other veteran, he was on so many different drugs. He almost went into renal failure at 30, 30 years old. So, there's horses have a way of healing people and you don't even realize you're being healed. Absolutely. I've lived it. I've right? lived it. And what, what's the, the, the phrase is there's something about the outside of a horse that's good for the inside of a man. Correct. Correct. So just looking at them just brings peace almost. It's just like awe. <laughs> so let's talk about this evolution, right? Sure. I know we talked about some pretty heavy stuff, some pretty serious stuff. Uh, yeah. Not to say that all careers in law enforcement and military are just so doom and gloom, but there are realities that, that there are. we often don't, yeah. we don't prepare for. And I think a lot of those realities aren't conveyed through right. common media. So where does the evolution take place for you guys understanding that, hey, there is some real value in horses. Maybe we should put a little bit more effort into this and then and then grow this into something that right. we could we could minister and, and reach out to folks with. So when Mike was before he even retired, I wrote down, I said, here are all the changes in you. When you go for your psych appointment, you tell them, here's everything that your family sees is going on with you. And he's like, he's looking at this list going, are you serious right now? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be easy to do at all. And you just get, hand him the paper. I don't care. You, here's everything. And, you know, he was he was diagnosed with severe PTSD, severe anxiety, depression, agoraphobia, OCD. I mean, I swear you name it. He was, you know, he was yeah. diagnosed with yeah. it. And so 
but what these guys do, you know, he, he, I told him he had to go see a psychiatrist, just go in for counseling, go talk to him, just, just do it. You get some tools to put in your toolbox for when you have anger or when something happens. And, um, but see, a lot of these guys are trained to be able to say the right things and say, oh yeah, you're fine. We don't need to meet anymore. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you do this to the yeah. psychiatrist. But, and so I saw what was happening with him and horses, right? I saw how- What were you seeing? He had to, he had to, he had to be the person he used to be. If that makes sense, I tell people. Um, I tell people the horse is the mirror that you never want to look into. Yeah, it absolutely, absolutely. Because right? if you're angry, if you're having anxiety, if you're depressed, that horse is gonna be that mirror. He's gonna. They're not gonna want to come near you. They're gonna be. You know, they can feel it. They can feel. They can sense what you're feeling, and so it makes you have to redirect and say, "Okay, whoa." wait a minute, I need to just kind of calm down here, right? Because otherwise I'm no good to myself or the horse. It's true. And, humans, um, have a, humans have an ability to, yes. we can deceive our own, right? Oh, absolutely. And a horse can't. A and you can't. Cannot We're just not deceive. that good. <laughs> yeah, the horses will just, and and the the great thing about the horses is there there's no judgment. Correct. There's no judgment. They don't care what you've done or I've done or Mike's done. They don't care. They just want to be with us and they want to, you know, they, there's no judgment and they're always in the here and now they're always in the here and now. And that's what's, it makes us have to be present. You have to be present if you're with a horse. I think it's all, it's all incredible foundation, right? In working with horses. Yet some of these steps seem so simple yet are so difficult to attain because now you have to look at yourself. Now you have to deal with stuff, right? Emotions that you might've suppressed for years and years and years, feelings that you might've been able to, to suppress well enough to where nobody really, nobody really sensed it in you. Right. 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 The horse sees you on an ability and a level that, that humans can't. And I think, I think the greatest breakthrough comes when you talk about the lack of judgment, right? Because no matter how yeah. close you are to your wife or your husband or your therapist or your battle buddy or whatever, right? Yeah, there's always that fear, right? That it little... is always looming in the back of your head, man. What if I say yeah. the wrong thing? What if what if he passes exactly. that much judgment? Whereas the horse, it could care less. It doesn't even know what you're saying. It, exactly. But the fact you verbalize it, get it off your chest you know, start to work through some of these thoughts. There's just incredible growth that can come from that. But it's a very, very real and very, very difficult first step for a lot of people to do. And, you know, another thing that that I see is that, you know, when you're working with a horse, right, it's all nonverbal communication. And how, how some of these guys are almost like learning again how to communicate with the real world now, the civilian world, right? Yeah. And they're learning it through working with the horse. Yeah. They, I, I just yeah. can't believe what I see every day here. Every single day we see a miracle. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Jeremy Harrell and I had some incredible conversations. He runs Veterans Club in Kentucky. Yes. Very similar mission and purpose to, to Saddles and Service. And we talked about 
the hurdles of being within a command or being very high ranked within a command, right? Yeah. Things get done because of what's on your sleeve or what's on your collar, right? Your rank, your insignia. Right. The horse, right. do, the horse doesn't care about any of that. Nope. Not one single bit, right? So no, they don't. Your presence doesn't mean anything, right? Your right. Your experience, your rank, none of that. What matters is who you are and what you are right now, this very second. And oh yeah. And I think that's a huge hurdle for maybe higher ranking officers or or members of our military to overcome because they're so used to not being confronted, right? Right. You can have a bad day and you can tell people to do stuff and it gets done because you are a major yeah. or a colonel or whatever, right? Right. Oh, yeah. That's what Mike, he retired as a um, Navy captain. And so he was supposed to take command. We were supposed to be going to Georgia. And then one day he just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm putting in retirement papers. I'm declining command. I'm going to be a cowboy. That's a huge that step. <laughs> huge step. And I can't tell you how many people followed followed him that really should be admirals right now. But um, you know what? They were like, you're right. There's like too much life to live. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the one thing you said something about that got me thinking, we have this uh, little filly. She's a two-year-old Arabian. Absolutely the cutest little stinker you've ever seen, right? And I wasn't going to take her because number one, Arabians are crazy. And number two, <laughs> she's a two-year-old and she she didn't have any foundation. Mm-hmm. And um, then that Vietnam veteran had come up to me one day and, and said, hey, I heard I need to volunteer for your your place. And he filled out the application and I said, you breed and train Arabians? He goes, yep. I said, holy <laughs> smokes, shut the front go. door. Yeah, we got one and for so, you. I said, I'm bringing her in. So I brought her and um, her buddy, Tequila, which was a 23-year-old. He had just been gelded. He'd been a stud oh, horse all his life. No. Severely abused horse. But we bring in this little filly. And Mike, to watch Mike work with her, because I really wanted her for him. And he's having to introduce her to everything, right? He walks yeah. by the water tank. Look, this isn't a scary water tank. See? And you're watching this man who's had anger and just, you know, just is not a happy person to go to the level of of showing her and letting her experience and explore and learn new things. And now she looks to him for, you know, um, security. Every time something's new, she's looking to him. And he has had to be that person again, that that soft person, you know, the one that's, it's okay, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So it's been so cool to watch just his progression just from her, just from this two-year-old little filly that was dropped off at a slaughter auction. She has changed this man's life. It's incredible when we show each other a little grace what happens, right? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So let's talk about saddles and service. Let's, sure. Let's just start out the formation of it and and where you guys are located, who you serve, and kind of develop the program here. Sure. So we are in Alpine, California. So we're the East County in San Diego, which is a great place to be because, you know, I think we have 
I think you have the largest population of veterans is in San Diego County, which is pretty Makes cool. Makes sense, right? With, we have a lot of, yeah. Yeah, Pendleton and Coronado. Yeah, with, and, our, with our beautiful sunny weather. <laughs> yeah, 85 and sunny. Just not, just not recently. Yeah, real but, tough to um, be a weatherman in San Diego, huh? I know, right? So we, um, when we brought in the first two rescue horses, you know, I, I told my husband, hey, you know what? We need to start an equine therapy program with these rescued horses. And he was like, oh my gosh, are you serious right now? Well, <laughs> we like, <laughs> I formed a 501c3, you know, we got our board of directors in place and um, we just we just started moving forward. Now I have to tell you, I move pretty slowly, and um, it, and it's a God thing. This whole this whole foundation is a God thing, and so He kept lighting fires and making me move forward. And so we brought in more horses. We started getting. We got our first veteran last year. At this time, we had one veteran, and we told him. Well, we're not ready really yet, but if you want to help us get ready, he's like, absolutely. Well, he now lives on our property and um, he's our ranch hand. Yeah. And he has his own horse and um, he's working to become a firefighter. And so, and now we have, we serve over 200 heroes. So for us, it wasn't so much. Oh, so we have no psychotherapy here. First of all, there's no psychotherapy because for me, they can go to their psychiatrist or their counselor for that. Here, this needs to be a place of complete natural healing. I don't want anyone to think, oh, are they watching me? Are they analyzing me? I was going to say me? that makes absolute sense because now you now you alleviate so, that feeling of exactly. judgment. Any feeling I of want, judgment. And I want nothing, 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 nothing to do with that here. At first, I thought we did. Yeah. But then as I saw how we were evolving and seeing what our veterans and first responders needed, I was like, oh, you know what? We will have zero psychotherapy here. It's just out of the, you know, nope. So then with our son being a cop, um, we knew we wanted to serve law enforcement and firefighters, you know, all first responders. Um, But especially with law enforcement these days, um, you know, it doesn't seem like anyone's doing anything for law enforcement. You know, you see a lot of support for firefighters. You see a lot of support for veterans, especially, right? There's correct foundations correct. within miles of each other. But who's doing anything for cop? That's a good you know, question. Like, right? Yeah. And so, so for us, it was very important. It was super important to have our group of heroes and we call them all heroes because they're not patients. They're not clients. They're not, you know, they're, they're all our, our heroes or they're somebody's hero. Right. And so, um, we just call them all heroes. So, and, and what we do is, you know, the majority of our horses are rescue horses. We have 13 horses in our herd. Um, I think maybe three aren't rescue four aren't, four Mm -hmm. aren't rescue. So all the rest are rescue, some of the horses have extremely bad pass. I mean, abuse, um, physical scars you can see on some of the horses. And so we partner hero and horse 
right? We're promoting wellness and healing. We're offering a place for them to come up here because we're at 3,000 feet. So we're at a nice level where, you know, it's we're kind of in the mountains, but we're in San Diego. We yeah. can see the ocean and we can see downtown San Diego from our, our um, oh, back area here. It's beautiful. And so when these guys and girls come out here, it's a place for them just to reset. Even if just for a couple hours, they're resetting, they're reconnecting, they're regrounding. And so for our program, I know a lot of programs have, you know, structure of maybe three days or three weeks or 10 sessions, whatever it may be. Um, But for us, I wanted it to be something that if, if a veteran needed to come out three days, one week, that's fine. Come on out. Just let me know the night before you're coming out. So we've opened it up to where they can come as many times as they want, as little as they want. They can move through the horsemanship training as quick as they want, as slow as they want. We don't put any of our heroes in a box. We meet them where they're at and we help them get to where they want to be at their pace. That's and awesome. So it's almost like um, I had a female veteran out here, Bonnie. She's awesome. She's like, so what you're saying is you have to unprogram and you need to market that. And I go, yeah, it <laughs> is. It's like it's the unprogram because you know what? It's it's almost like we're just family again, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. the military has been our family for so long. I mean, more than half of my life. And so the camaraderie here that transcends services, like a, whether you're a firefighter or a cop or you're a veteran, the camaraderie here is just unbelievable. And so... Which is incredible because that's a familiar part of those careers, right? For those people yes. that serve. Yes. And now they have it again. And we're out there laughing. We're, we have a junior rodeo champion. She's awesome. I mean, oh my gosh, this young girl, Heaven Perez, she's amazing. And she comes out here. They're not even affiliated with the military or law enforcement or you know any of the first responders. And she comes out once or twice a week. She's teaching all these guys how to barrel race and pole bend. And they, and everyone's laughing at each other. That's like funny. we. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just, it's just a, a good great time. feel. And it's hard to explain unless you're out, like people have to come out here to truly experience what we're saying. Cause it's just amazing. But so much of horsemanship is just that, right? It's a feel. Oh, yeah. It's a feel. How, oh, do, yeah. how do you teach a feel, right? That's the, the, the one hurdle exactly. that's, that's very difficult to overcome. You know what? Yes. That's exactly how I should say that. See that you just good. You, I, you can use that too, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Cause that was a good way to put it. It's so true. Right. Yeah. And so what we do is, you know, by partnering horses and heroes, right. They're learning to trust one another through care, groundwork, riding. Um, and really we're tra- challenging our heroes to be vulnerable yeah. and to reach deep inside themselves yeah. and really, you know, either reconnect with the strengths they've had or discover new strengths. Yeah. And then be able to apply them in real life. You hit the nail on the head. And I think for me, that's kind of been my biggest push in a lot of this is that I've been that broken individual, right? And right. and like you talk about working with the rescue horses, my horse, my personal horse, he was broken. He was a very, very good right. team roping horse, was used to getting the, the gut spurt out of him, was used yeah. to getting pulled out of that stall, getting worked hard, getting put away and never really allowed to be a horse. Yeah. And... 
we have come such a long way. And I think some of the most broken human beings and most broken horses have the most to give. Right. But what's been most compelling in my journey is that I need to show other individuals that I need to be that firsthand experience that they can see what success looks like. Because like so many things in life, you you can talk about success or you can talk about an experience, but until you right. put your boots in the dirt, it's a completely different feeling. So exactly, I try to provide that feeling to people that, that need it. And like I tell people, I could care less about the fame that comes from this show. What is most important to me is the growth because we don't know when we discuss that one thing that somebody needs to hear. Or we don't oh, yeah. know when that one service is going to get offered that they might take a chance on. And right. for so many people who have been guests on this show, and so many of my listeners, I get messages every week, you know, we have been able to provide that. And it's those small, small changes that have huge right. impacts in an individual's success. And so much of the success with military and law enforcement and their recovery is that you have to find that balance of challenging them. But you don't right. want to challenge them so much that you shut them down. Right, exactly. You have to offer an environment that's familiar to them, but you don't want that environment to be so comfortable that there's no growth. Exactly. Right. So your program <laughs> of a fine balance. Exactly. Your your program of towing such a fine line with these horses and these veterans and service members, it's incredible. It's it's very much challenging, but I think you have so much more room for growth and so much more potential than a yeah. cookie cutter program, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, just getting that awareness out there, right? Because, and I love your podcast and your show because you're getting, you're, you're bringing awareness. And I think one thing I really want to stress, and when we were just in that documentary, I told the director, I said, Hey, I think I have something for your next documentary. I said, suicide rates among law enforcement and firefighters it has skyrocketed and yeah. it's almost yeah. reaching the point of veterans and that's unacceptable all of this is so unacceptable to me um and we have to get we have to stop you know that stigma of getting help well you know what instead of going to get help hey come on out for a yes. day and just be yes. a cowboy yep. just come out for a day and be a cowboy oh you like it yeah come on back next week no problem yeah. and i've had to find that the way to i guess bring awareness to our program or market the program i don't know what you want to say but um you know by getting these guys here cuz you don't want to a lot of times the wives are just like hey let's go let's go learn about horses let's go out here to this place cuz it's free cuz you know we don't charge <laughs> anything right we charge zero oh that's incredible and so and so um but they, we got to get the guys out here and it's, it's getting them out here just to, for them to know there's a place just to escape the daily stressors. And like I said, to reset, um, but more focus needs to start going on firefighters and law enforcement because this is not, this isn't unacceptable. Like yeah. I said, and yeah. even active duty military, right. We're working on something right now, because active duty special forces, the suicide rates are going up. And I, and I think a lot of this is is like, in, in no way, shape, or form is this a platform to, to place blame. 
I think in the evolution of law enforcement, military, and all these professions that we talk about, these are just things that have not been brought to the forefront, right? They've no. kind of been suppressed, no. and and I don't know that but the now professions correctly. And I don't th- I, yeah. excuse me, correct. And I don't think I don't think it's just that they didn't they didn't know how to handle how to handle these right. situations, right? How do you deal with it? Well, now we're starting. We're truly in the incipient phases of gaining a little momentum, starting to understand, starting to change some stigmas, right? right? So it's right. not that I don't want this to come across as, well, the military just makes you studs and you go do all these crazy things around the world and then we don't care about you. It's not that. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think there's been the awareness within these professions and we're starting to get to that point. So right. let's, let's do what we can to try to mold Absolutely, the program yeah. and make it what we need to make it. And I think too, I think that's where chaplains come in because yeah. I think chaplains can really help direct this conversation within the military, within police departments, within firefighters, you know, the chaplains can really, really help with this piece. And um, that's what we're starting to see. They can move that conversation. I was going to say, are there any thoughts or ideas of instilling maybe a chaplain program within Saddles in Service? Oh, I don't know. That's a good idea. Might be a little test model right there, huh? A little cowboy chaplain. There you go. Or cowgirl chaplain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But I think that's, yeah, that's where within the military, I think the chaplains need to become more involved with that because a lot of these guys go to the chaplains. Yeah. They go, they talk to the chaplains because it's a place they can confide in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, just talking with you and thinking about all, thinking through this, they could be the key the important piece in finding, you know, helping uh, service members or police and firefighters in finding these alternative, you know, resources for helping them work through their daily stressors. Yeah. I think there's so much value in it. No, it's very true. So what, what are some of the goals for Saddles and Service? I know you guys are only a year into this, but what does 2019 have in store for your program and, and where do you see the organization going? There's going to be some big things in 2019. I can tell you right now, we have some big things happening. We serve now, like I said, uh, we had one veteran this time last year. Now we're serving over 200 heroes. And so we've grown like crazy. We have we have um, almost 40 volunteers that are here Whoa. every day. Yeah, I'm serious. Like we have grown but look where we are, right? We're in the middle. We're right here in San Diego. Yeah, you're in the heart of it. Um, yeah. And not only, you know, do we have a lot of military, we have a lot of veterans because we have active duty here as well. But, you know, we have Border Patrol right here. I mean, we're right near the border. We're in Alpine. We're not far from the border. Yeah. Um, you got Border Patrol. We have, you know, look at the fires out here, right? So we have a lot of firefighters. Yeah. So we have a big population we can serve right here. And so we have some big things happening. We have a new program um, that will be, we will be, I won't say it yet because it's, it's not all finalized yet, but we're going to be having this program <laughs> that is, yes, it is, it is. But it is a program that is, um, it's actually been researched. It's in journal articles. Like it's an amazing program that um, 
this amazing woman has put together. And so that'll be something here in the very near future. And also, we have a big Gymkhana we're doing. Do you know what a Gymkhana is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a local barn down the way that does a bunch. Okay, so we're having an inaugural Gymkhana in April out in Campo, which is really farther east, San Diego County. It's uh, We're doing it April because it's the month of the military child. And so not only do we serve our heroes, our nations and our communities' heroes, but we know what the families go through. Yeah. I mean, I know firsthand, right? And so we're celebrating the month of the military child doing this Gymkhana. We're really excited and we're going to have... Um, you know, even a military or a hero class. So the guys can all, you know, that's great. They can jump on the horses and air it out. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the problem for some of our Navy guys and army guys and Marines is, um, I have some firefighters that come out here and they used to be bronc riders. So, you know, I'm, kind of thinking they're going to give them a run for their money (laughs) on this. So, so we have, I mean, we have great, we have, we have a hot shot here. You know what the uh, hot shot is with the fire? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he comes out one day, he contacts me and says, can I come out? I want to check the place out. I said, absolutely. He comes out great guy and he gets a phone call while he's here. He's like, Oh man. Yeah. This place is legit. We all need to come out here. And I said, oh, what's that about? He goes, oh, I was a guinea pig. They made me come out oh. first before everybody else is going to come out. And so oh, and now we have these great firefighters that are yeah. out here all the time. So, But then we also have an event that's called the Old Goats. And what they are is these are all Naval Academy graduates from the 50s and 60s. Oh, that's cool. And Yeah. And so they're putting on a fundraiser for us. They partner with a foundation called Children That Care. They're doing a big barbecue fundraising and they're busting in um, some wounded warriors. And we're going to partner a wounded warrior with some of the children that care and our wranglers with a horse. And so this will be a big fundraising event. And um, so we're trying to get some um, good celebrities out here. If when I when I find out that we have them, I'll let you know first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That'd be great. <laughs> no, that'll be great. And then anyway, and, we can support um, you guys. Yeah. So, and we just see growth. I mean, our growth has already. Oh my goodness, I don't even know how the percentage of growth we've had. But um, this year will be a big focus on donors, right? We need to find those big, we need to find those people that have those big pockets that their pockets are so deep. They have someone behind them, helping them with their pockets. Shoveling everything that falls out. (laughs) Yeah. So because we do rely 100% on donations, you know, yes, we, um, and having 13 horses and serving this many people, you know, we also have, we have operation home front. They send out their, wounded warriors that are living in a transitional housing and they come out here once a month to work with the horses and you know we feed them we we do barbecues for them and that's all on you know we pay for everything so this year's really we're going to have to push and focus on donors yeah it's always uncomfortable um, asking people for money but it is it is but 13 then I horses think about, and 40 volunteers and 200 served i mean it yeah. all comes with a cost 
It does. But you know, it's, oh my gosh, it's so worthwhile. Oh, right? absolutely. It's so worthwhile. And so I know I have to step out of that box that I, I don't like to ask for anything. I'm, I yeah. don't, but now it's got to the point. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're, we're giving this service that is just, we're watching miracles every day and not just with the heroes, but with these horses that yeah. have come out of these shells that it's been amazing. And to watch some of these guys cry when they're working with the horses, cause they're working in the round pen, they're doing join ups with these horses. And you know, this one horse that was so abused to watch that horse join up with a veteran who is so scarred, it's a and huge they start, breakthrough, starts yeah. to cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm crying. They're crying. <laughs> I swear the horse is crying too with joy. You so know, when we talk about donations, Kleenex, right? If anybody has yeah, Kleenex, right? they can send that way. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so that's that's going to be our thing this year is, um, I, you know, and I think what it is, so I, I firmly believe this, and maybe this is just because this is my thought. People want to know that we're who we say we are and that we're doing what we say we're doing because that's huge. If they're going to trust us with their money and they're going to trust us to take care of the heroes and these rescued horses, you know, they want to know, okay, are they really who they say they are? Yeah. Because that's important, right? Money, it's hard. Right. I mean, it's hard work. You're earning money. It's not like it just falls off trees. And so people want to know that that's where their money is going to, to really to a place that is really who they are. So I have a, a volunteer here. She runs all of our volunteers. She's a 30 year veteran, uh, Navy wow. commander is what she got out as. And she is so organized. Yeah, I was going to say. husband, being the Naval officer, he is so organized. And our chairman of the board was also in the Navy totally organized. And then there's me who flies by the seat of her pants <laughs> and they all have to learn how to deal with me in a manner that I say, like, gotta, holy smokes. You got to provide a little instability in the mix, right? <laughs> I do. I got to keep it real, man. I got to yeah, keep it. Yeah. And I got to keep everyone laughing. I got to keep everyone on their toes. And so, um, but she came in and I'm very big on data. We, so that's the one thing we do. We are so transparent. And we have data up the yin-yang. I can't even, we have so much data, it's not even funny. And so that's what we'll be doing here soon in the next week or two is putting out our year-end report with all of our data. Because I think that's important. People want to see. I have it down to the number of hours that we've had Navy Navy personnel or Marines or whatever. Uh, But we really, I think data is important. Well, you you make a great point, I think. There's so many organizations out there, especially some of these larger organizations. People donate money and you don't know where your money is going. So for incipient outfits like yourself or Charlie Five in New Mexico or the Veterans Club out in Kentucky, right? Right. You guys are able to substantiate credibility and value in the donation. Yes. So a a donor knows, hey, if if I'm contributing $100, right, 96 of that is going towards this program or whatever the percentage is, right? But it's at a far greater rate than pennies on the dollar, which you're going to see with some of these larger corporations that that claim to do well. Right, right. I mean, our money, any money that comes in here goes straight to the program. 
everything goes straight to this program to serving. There's no salaries. There's no nothing like that. It's it goes straight to our program. And um, and, you know, we're it's on we're basically funding the foundation right now because, like I said, we are new. Um, you know, we've only been around for a year. That's so. part of it, right? That's the evolution of it. Yeah, exactly. And so now we we need support. I mean, we definitely need support. And I know all of our heroes that come through our program and that are here, they're like, oh my gosh, how can we help? So we always tell them, because we don't want any money from them. We want nothing, you know, they're, we're here for them. To serve them, We correct. don't want that. Exactly. And so we tell them, you know what? Tell your family and friends. Let them know what this is doing for you. You know, because eventually we're going to find that person that, you know, just really is like, Hey, I believe in this. Here's, Correct. here's a million dollar check. That'd be nice. I'll take one of <laughs> those too. I'm just going to throw a million out there. You know, why not? It's a good round <laughs> I number. I'm going to take a thousand dollar, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I got to tell you something, I, I forgot, I want to share this because this was super, I sat there and cried when I opened this letter and I even showed the, the, I walked in the post office and to where their little, um, where they, you know, check out, where you check out right there. But I get this letter one day in the mail and, and it was a donation. It was a thousand dollar donation and it was in memory of Justin Meek. And I hope I don't cry when I say this. So, um, do you remember the, the nightclub shooting there in Simi Valley? Yes. Um, okay. So Justin Meek is the one kid who, they talked about that he he was trying to save so many people because he he worked there. Well, he went to high school with my son in Coronado, went to Coronado High School. And his dad, I believe he's an admiral, Admiral Meek, my husband worked with. And I get a check one day in the mail from um, Navy Special Warfare, and it was in his memory. And I just broke down in tears because yeah. it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this young kid that was so full of life right he's he's amazing kid and um and i had to go in the post office to the postal lady oh my gosh look at this and she starts crying too (laughs) i have to share this and and so when we were we built a new round pen and we're just about finished with it and um we're going to dedicate it in his memory and we're going to put a nice bronze plaque there because it does really special to us. I think it integrates so much of what you guys are and what you guys are about, right? It's yeah, it's absolutely. the military family. It's a life of service. It's a life of sacrifice. I mean that and, that little scenario that you just described there touches on so many points that have yeah. fostered the development of your program and and now what your program stands for. I think people see our heart. They know our heart is in this. There, our heart, the heart we have for every single horse, the heart we have for every single person that comes through here, and um, the loved ones that are lost. And we have a memorial garden. We have Girl Scouts. I they asked if they could do something, and I said, Yeah, you could help with a memorial garden. Um, one of my horses is buried there, and we want to make this a place where when we have gold star families come out, um, we have the Rosas family come out. Her husband was murdered nine years ago, border patrol agent out in Campo. They come out here. We want to make it a place where they can, you know, they can reflect. It's a place because it's so serene out here and so quiet out here. And just, it's, you know, it's a place, like I said, to reset. 
but we want them to be able to paint a rock for their loved one that was lost and put it in our memorial garden. And so it's not, we don't, so there's so many aspects of who we are, but we try and touch on everything because our life was the military. And so that's what I want Saddles and Service to be. We encompass everything that pertains to the military life, to the first responder life. And, you know, we want to remember those we've lost. Well, Saddles and Service, I was going to say Saddles and Service represents so much of what I wanted this show to be. You know, everybody can have the warm and fuzzies and want to do good and want to help people. That's great. But the, the, the most notable attribute of your program is that you've all lived it, right? You've lived the sacrifice. You've lived the hurt. You've lived the pain. You've lived the struggles. You've lived the successes, Yes. right? You've seen people come. You've seen people go. You know it on such, you know the whole process of pain, trauma, and recovery on on such a level that is going to make so much more of an impact and provide so much more credibility because so much of the downfall of this is that, like you talked about, these service members go and talk to a psychologist or psychiatrist. Yeah. What in God's green earth can a psychiatrist relate to a SEAL that was just deployed, right? And just lost a bunch of his buddies. I hear that all the time. There's no, there's no relationship there, right? There's no No. bonding. There's none of that. Right. But for military and law enforcement and, and service members to come out to a place such as Saddles and Service and sit down with family members who have lived it, that parallel right there just opens the door to success for everybody. Oh, yeah. Because there's connections. Yes. Instinct connections. Um, I Like I connect with them on a different level than my husband connects with them. Right. And that's okay because I haven't lived that. I was going to say, but they right? each play such an important role. Absolutely. 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 The connections, the camaraderie, you know, we say with Saddles and Service, it's, it's, hor- or it's heroes, horses, and healing because that's the heroes and horses are healing each other. And sometimes for the hero, that's more important that they're helping heal that horse. Like it's so I, you know, it's just a special place. It's just, it's just a special place. So for everybody who wants to get involved, follow or support saddles and service, where can they find more information or how do they get a hold of you guys? Oh, sure. So they can um, send us an email at contact at saddlesandservice.org. Our website is saddlesandservice.org. So it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, but on our, you know, we do Instagram, that one saddles and service for heroes with the number four, but they can find us. I think there's a, there is a link. I don't think there is a link. <laughs> <laughs> there are links on our website to our Instagram, Facebook, and our, we recently got into Twitter. My husband said, you have to get onto this Twitter thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing any more social media. Yeah, I was so say, I have I, zero experience. We have Instagram yeah. and Facebook. I'm done. Yeah. And, and I go, if you want to be the tweeter of the family, you do it. And so it? he got on there and it was interesting because we just had the, the Charlie Daniels um, foundation. Yeah. The, um, they just started following us and Mike's, he goes, Oh, look who's following us. And yeah. So that was, you know, we're, we're out there. We, we are working hard. We're working our behinds off to uh, spread awareness and get the word out. Cause 
you know, we want to be able to continue what we're doing and we want to help more heroes and we want to rescue more horses. We have room for horses, but money wise, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So people can connect with us on our website, saddlesandservice.org um, or contact us, um, contact at saddlesandservice.org. Incredible. So the way I like to wrap every show is I like to give each guest the opportunity to kind of provide final thoughts or parting words. What are some things that have helped you, life mottos or, or things that you live by that you think would value our, our listeners? Oh, gosh. You know what? If you've never spent time with a horse, I'm telling you, just go sit and be with the horse. The peace and the lessons that you can learn from just watching a herd of horses and how they interact there's something about it that just can bring some peace and calming in these, you know, crazy, in this crazy world that we're always stressed. We're always running around. We're never taking that time to just sit, to just sit and listen, observe. Horses are amazing. Horses are just amazing. And um, I want to take the time too to just thank all the people that listen to your podcast Thank the veterans, active duty military, our law enforcement, our firefighters, you know, all these first responders. Thank you for your service because it means so much to us. I know our family, we appreciate each and every one of you. And I wish I could meet everybody because I love meeting people. But um, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for bringing awareness because that's so important right now is awareness. Absolutely. And I think a thank you is deserved to you and your family and saddles and service, because like I tell everybody, I just open the door, right? The value is yeah. in, the value is in your testimony. You know, I just enjoy getting yeah. to meet people. And, and I do think awareness is a big deal in all of this, because we don't know when we're going to yeah. make an impact. But if we have faith and trust in the process, uh, success is going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. And I have, I have one more thing I have to say that uh, one of our veterans shared one time he said that for a long time it bothered him when someone would thank him for his service he goes yeah. i just felt awkward very common he goes, but you know what he goes then one day i realized i know how i'm going to respond so whenever anyone thanks him for his service he says back you're worth it that's incredible and that's how all of it. you that live in a life of service that's how they are right yeah. they're doing it because we're worth it yeah absolutely so well, Tammy, I thank you very much for making time for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign. I very much enjoyed our conversation. I Absolutely. think 2019 is going to be an incredible year for Saddles and Service. And if there's anything that we could ever do to help you, do not hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity. This is wonderful. And I really enjoyed speaking with you as well. No problem. You have a great rest of the day. Try to stay dry. Oh, thanks. You too. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.